For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to another episode of the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. I'm Joe Delio, joined by Ryan Roberts. And Alex Gillstrap. Today we are continuing on with our positional preview shows, wrapping up the tight end group. We did multiple pairings for this tight end group. And if you missed any of them, go back and check those out. Today is the overview, as I said, talking about guys that were a little bit too high on, a little bit too maybe lower on than the consensus, covering some names that maybe we didn't mention early on in the week, although the list of guys that we have today is pretty much most of the guys that we've already talked about, but we're going to share a little bit more insight on those players. Specifically talking about this class, though, guys, the one theme I feel like Ryan and I have this week is that it's a class based on projection. It is a group that has a lot of upside, except for Michael Mayer. After Michael Mayer, it's a lot of like, let's see what this guy can do. And there's going to be a lot of hits and misses after summer scouting's done going into the actual start of the cycle in January. Y'all think there's a lot of upside in this class? I mean, I know I know we have Eric Gilbert, who is a name that until he's on the football field again, I'm not really including in any tight end mm-hmm. rankings or anything like that, um, who's obviously at Georgia from LSU, top recruit. I mean, there's really only like two or three guys outside of Michael Mayer who I see that could potentially be top 100. Guys. Let me like, let me rephrase. Uh, upside was, uh, upside was 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 the friendly, a little bit generous. You, no, you, bit can, generous you, can use, you can use upside. I mean, Alex, to, I, I'm looking I'm looking yeah. at guys like this, right? Okay. We talked about Michael Mayer as the potential elite player. I think he was number seven on Mel Kuyper's mm-hmm. initial big board or whatever. Yeah, he's he's a, awesome. he's, a, he's a dude. You mentioned. Um, Eric Gilbert, who could be that guy. We'll yeah. see. He's a projection, certainly. But then I think you have guys like Cameron Latu from Alabama who could take a big rise now. I think Josh Wiley from Cincinnati is a guy to keep an eye on. Jaheim Bell from South Carolina. I think if Jaleel Billingsley gets back in good graces with Sark at Texas, he could be a dude. I actually like – we haven't talked about him at all this week, but Benjamin Urasak from Stanford I think mm-hmm. is a big sleeper in the class. So, yeah, I think there's, I think there's a few guys after Michael Mayer there's one that I think could potentially be an elite player in Eric Gilbert if he hits his upside. And then I think there's a bunch of good players. I here's all right, here's a take, I guess. I prefer this tight end class much more than I do last year's yes. class right now. Yes. Much more. Much yeah, more. that's that's not a hot take. Well, but it's, so, not, it's not even just mayor right. either. It's just the depth, I think, has more projection to it. And, and what I was more so getting at, Alex, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. There are what I more so was getting at is that there's going to be a lot of misses in the group. There's just more opportunities, I think, for these players to outperform those expectations. There, there's guys that could step up and end up being quality prospects, but they need to hit first. 
the chances of them hitting are probably not super high, but you got a lot of traits in this group that could potentially hit. Yeah, I see. I do see this group as that. I see there's a lot of there's there's many more names in this year's class, you know, relative to last year, as, as we do a lot in this industry, you know, in the in the draft community is comparing it to last year's class. There's a lot more names that could be uh, that if they hit. And obviously this year is going to be big for this this position group, because right now I don't maybe this is how I currently see it more so than how I project it forward. But I just really see it's Michael Mayer and the and the rest of them. I mean, mm-hmm. Darnell Washington is another name we haven't mentioned yet. Also at Georgia, who they don't build him like him, uh, but he is battling some injuries going into the spring, and we'll see what that role looks like. You know, with Brock Bowers, who's not even draft eligible, but is arguably the best tight end in football uh, in college football. Eric Gilbert's coming in at in that you know tight end room. That that Georgia tight end room is going to be really really crowded. So uh, Darnell Washington's another name. So I, I get what you're saying. There's a lot of receiving upside with this this year's tight end class. I will I will say that. Yeah, I, I just feel I just feel like last year it was like people people were trying to bank on like the guy the Jeremy Ruckerts of the world, where it's just like guys, like when are we going to ship sail from that one, right? Because he's just been the same guy for three years. But we saw for me, and, and we talked about this a lot yesterday on the show, Alex. It's like Cameron Latu just had in his first year playing tight end full time over 400 yards on a loaded Alabama offense. Like right. he could be a dude potentially. I think that you're talking about guys like Josh Wiley. If he's able to fill out his frame for Cincinnati could be a dude. Jaleel Billingsley was a guy that we both liked mm-hmm. who fell out of mm-hmm. favor yeah. at Alabama. Maybe he gets back in good graces with at the university of Texas under Sark. Benjamin Yurisek, I think is a guy that a lot of people need to kind of keep an eye on from, from Stanford. I, I think there's just younger guys maybe is why I'm have more yeah. hope for the projection because last year, again, you were going into the year like, the developmental pizza pieces were like fourth year senior. Mm-hmm. Um, what's his name from Ohio State? I just said his name, Jeremy Rucker. Rucker it's like, right. Why are we depending on a senior to break out? Well, this year we're thinking about juniors, redshirt juniors, guys that haven't played a ton of football, like a like a Cameron Latu. Like those are the guys that you're kind of depending on taking the next step. So I think projection is maybe just more prevalent in this class mm-hmm. than last year. Yes, absolutely. Let's get to talking about some of those names that we really like. Before we do, though, folks, I just want to tell you about today's sponsor, Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA and NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. Super easy to get started, so head to their website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. So if you listen to yesterday's episode, this should not be surprising that I'm going to say the guy I'm really high on, the guy that I really, really like in this class is Joel Billingsley, the former Alabama tight end now going to be Texas's uh, should be Texas's starting tight end. And when I got from him watching him, I saw a fantastic athlete, very rare athleticism for the position. Understandably, this is a guy who uh, a little bit of an undersized player in terms of his weight, but he's got the length that you want and he's got the acceleration. I think that he's uh, a shifty route runner 
He finds space effectively, and when he's in space, he's got the movement capabilities to make guys miss. I loved everything that he did. The only thing that gets muddled is how does he work with coaching staffs? Now, I I really do believe, and this is, again, this is just speculation. I said this on the other show. I, I think the circumstance of him struggling last year and the disagreements that he was having with the Alabama coaching staff and the fact that there were rumors he wasn't showing up on time and, and he wasn't putting in enough effort and practice. Those are the things that you got about him to be pushed in a diminished role in an offense that is not built to use a tight end like him. It was a pro style offense that favored Cam Latu, who stepped up, who we're going to talk about in a second. I, I really think that if you put him back with Sark, Steve Sarkeesian, who's going to run more of a spread style scheme, it will unlock him as a player and I know that it's easy to say that there's all of these added pieces to that Texas receiving room but if you take into account that they're probably going to be focusing their attention on covering those guys a tight end like Jaleel Billingsley is going to be open often and he's going to get a lot of targets hopefully and I really do believe he is going to have a strong year this season. Jalil, don't break my heart two years in a row, man. I, I've been a fan. I've been a fan. If you're looking for a, a player that you can get super creative with, I think of not – it's not a one-for-one one comparison, but like this is like the Debo Samuel of tight ends, right? Like he can do so many different things for your offense. He can line up in the slot. He can line up out wide. He can do some things in, in line to a degree. He can do jet sweeps, which he's done in the past. He's returned kicks. This guy's an exceptional athlete. It's never been a question of talent. He got into the doghouse last year. What is behind that is going to be a conversation piece. But, man, I hope he puts it together because he is definitely a rare athlete for the position from a flexibility and quickness perspective. Yeah. I mean, you, you're you definitely looking at Jaleel Billingsley if you're projecting him forward as that move chess piece. He's not going to be your traditional tight end. We all knew this going into last year, Ryan, as you mentioned. You and I were both – high on Billingsley coming coming through, you know, last year's class. Of course, everything happened the way it did, and now he's at Texas where the room's crowded at Texas as far as there are playmakers everywhere. So I think is is Texas back? This is the year to prove it um, because they have Stop dudes <laughs> everywhere. They have dudes everywhere on that offense. Um, so I think, I think Billingsley from a production standpoint this year might disappoint uh, relative to – um, his level of talent, but I, I'm not looking forward to him, you know, having 600 plus yards. I just don't think that's going to be him this year. There's just too many mouths to feed in that offense, but his translation to the next level is he can be a playmaker in an NFL offense. So I've, I've been big on Billingsley off the field. There's going to be some question marks going into the draft cycle next year, but this is a guy that has really, really good athleticism for his size if you want to call him a big receiver, call him a big receiver. Maybe that's just what he is. I know yeah. he's listed as tight end in this in this you know discussion, and that's what he's listed at on the roster. But he really is just a big receiver. You're not going to rely on this dude in the run game as an inline block or anything like that. This guy's going to be split out wide. He's going to stretch the field vertically as a big body target, and I think he can be really, really good for a creative offense. I, I know we talk about that all the time on both sides of the football when you have these players that are – 
kind of oddly sized and oddly athletic for their position. You need a creative offensive mind to to really unlock his potential, but that's really what he's going to need at the next level. Someone that's going to orchestrate touches for him in space and utilize that size down the football field with his athleticism. But I, I'm big on Billingsley. I'm going to hold back. I didn't want to put him down for this one because of him burning me uh, from last summer, but uh, I, I like the pick. Yeah. Nah. Joe, you're a, you're a smart man. I've rubbed off on you well. Good job, sir. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, Alex, <laughs> your guy, we also talked about yesterday. Uh, if I have that correct. Yes, you, we talked about him yesterday. And he is additionally a very fun player. And we paired him with Billingsley because of the fact that they're both slot tight ends. So why did you pick him in this in this circumstance? Yeah, I know I'm going to be oddly high on him. Um, Jaheim Bell... You know, as we see the tight end position getting lighter, not Jalil Billingsley light, but it's getting lighter. There's really only a couple of players to reference when you're talking about Jaheim Bell's size. The first couple that came to mind were Evan Ingram, who was historically light for the position when he came out as a first rounder. And then Jordan Reed, who also yeah. light for the position, similar size profile, had you also said Delaney Walker was the other I had one. another one. I said yeah. Delaney Walker, Alex. Delaney Walker, that's a good one. I was thinking of yeah. you know more current, but Delaney Walker's another yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Um, look, this size profile has worked in the NFL. Evan Ingram, yes, disappointment relative expectations, but he's been a starter for his young career to this point, and maybe just the change of scenery to Jacksonville this year is what he needs. But it's worked. You've gotten relatively good you know, production out of this size profile. So I'm not as concerned with the size profile because I think he's fine as a run blocker for his size. I think he's fine, but this guy's athleticism's next level. I mean, Jalil Billingsley. Yeah. We talked about him. He's basically a big wide receiver with his athleticism, but Mm -hmm. Jaheim Bell is fun to watch. I watched that bowl game and I know the North Carolina game was his breakout game and is what's transcended him into first round consideration for some, I'm not there yet. Mm. I'm not there yet. Not first round, but that is the one game that I've watched of this tight end class where I got out of my seat. Like this guy just makes plays and, and the, the, his ability to get the big play, the big play ability that this guy has is just something that not many guys in this year's class have. I mean, my, we're going to talk about Michael Mayer. Of course he's, he's great. He's like a streamline. He's going to every play you're going to get good production from him, but I don't think he has the big playability Jaheim Bell does, and I think I think this guy could be special athletically, but he still meets that size threshold to at least be an every-down player, whereas I feel like I'm missing that with someone like Billingsley. The only thing with Jaheim Bell, and I, I agree, like I really like him. He's very unique, and the fact that mm-hmm. in that North Carolina game, they used him as a running back often yes. was exciting to see because he's an H-back. That's what his role is mm-hmm. going to be. The only thing and we talked about this on the show that deters me from getting on like any day two hype is I think there's a limited amount of teams that are willing to invest in a player like this because a lot of other teams are not creative enough to use a a tight end of this profile. I think you need to be on. And what Ryan said was like a a Kyle use check type role, something like that. Mm -hmm. If you put him in a situation like that, where you're moving him around you're putting him in advantageous matchups, but I think some of these old school approach teams are just going to have no interest in him. But you're, I think, I think personally, your point about there only being, you know, a limited number of teams that can unlock his full potential with his with his frame and his play style and athleticism. 
I think is that that could be the reason he's a day two pick. We see year in and year out, there's players that are unique for their position, but they only fit a handful of teams. But in those handful of si- offensive systems, they're going to be transcendent. You know, we, we see that with certain players at, at, at their position. And I think Jaheim Bell, in this case, can be transcendent for an offense that can utilize and unlock his full potential. Um, and I think that's what could propel him into day two consideration. Not the fact that not all 30 teams are going to be interesting. All, all 32 teams are going to be interested in him. And that's that's true. Not all 32 teams are going to be in on Jaheim Bell because they don't meet their size profile for what they like at the position. But it only takes one. That's the NFL draft. And I think I think there are a handful of teams in the NFL that can use someone like Jaheim Bell with his athleticism as a big slot, as a, you know, as a flex tight end, you know, that moves around the formation. I think this guy is gonna and if 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 he continues to ascend the way he has and the way he finished last year, especially, uh, with that bowl game against North Carolina we keep mentioning, Jaheim Bell's gonna be a day two pick, I think. It's. I mean, it's possible. I mean, I again, I, I think that it's, and we talked about this yesterday, Joe just kind of mentioned a little bit, but like I think a West Coast heavy team that is going to utilize the yak influence mm-hmm. Gene Bell, I think that's where his that's where his projection really lies. I just looked up Delaney Walker's combine testing. Um, so he was out of central Missouri. Mm-hmm. Joe, I told you he was short. Six one and a quarter. Yeah. He was a short dude, man. He was not Don't tall. Be. He was 240. Jaheim's 230. So I think they'll cut the difference there. He ran 455 in the 40 and a 36 and a half inch vert. So I think Jaheim could be roughly in that ballpark, right? Like 455 doesn't seem unrealistic in my opinion. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I think that he's a he's a de- I don't want to call him dependent. He's a different type of dude that is going to take some creativity, but there's certainly upside as a pass receiver. There's no doubt. Am I up now? Uh, yes. Uh, so oh, the last guy, though, that we're, we're going to get to, Cam Latu was your pick, yep. as I alluded to earlier. Yep. We're also fans of Cam Latu. And you mentioned how he is so new to the position. This is a former linebacker. And I said this on the show when we talked about him. The dude plays tight end like a linebacker. But let's <laughs> let's hear a little bit more why you like him so much. Well, I mean, I think that is exactly why I like him is the fact that he has a physicality <laughs> to him. To the position. I mean, he was a defensive end linebacker recruit, played th- three, four outside linebackers first year at Alabama and then transitioned. And obviously last year was his first full time as a tight end in a expanded role. He had over 400 yards receiving. I mean, this kid is a long six foot five, 240 something, around 250 pounds, athletic kid who can do some of the yak stuff. Cause I think, I mean, Alex, we were looking it up. He actually tested at the pro day from last year for Alabama. He was one of the juniors that was able to test, and he ran four six two at two hundred and fifty pounds. Right, so like he can move, yeah. man, in a straight line. I mean, the kid's explosive. He can break some tackles. He's got physicality in the run game. I want to see an expanded role as far as his route diversity because right mm-hmm. now all I'm seeing is flat routes and tight end leaks and some easy stuff where he's kind of has some separation to him. I want to see more working in traffic and playing through contact and doing all that type of stuff. But I think there's upside there, man. Like if you told me that he is the third to fourth tight end off the board when it's all said and done, I believe it. I would. But right now we're working off a guy that only has one year of production, right? And that's my step back for a second. I want to see him take the next step because, I mean, Alabama literally just drew me into this trap last year. Mm-hmm. Jalil Billingsley had mm-hmm. half a year of production. I'm like, cool. I can see that now in an expanded role. And then he took a step back for different reasons than, you know, just not playing well. But 
I have to see Cameron Latu play well for another year before I fully hop on the train. But that could hurt him. That could hinder him a little bit. That could make me too high right now. But I think the talent is all there for him to be a starting caliber tight end at the next level. Yeah, the thing when <clears> – <throat> and I know y'all both like Cameron Latu, and I do too. I thought I, – I, I didn't know if y'all were going to be on board. I didn't listen to la- yesterday's episode quite yet. Dang. But I know, not yet, not yet. <laughs> I, I usually listen, Door but window. usually comes, it comes the weekend. <laughs> but uh, Cameron Latu for me is someone I thought I was going to be high on. So I'm, I'm glad to hear y'all are in the same boat because I first thing that popped out when I watched him – was man, I like this guy's frame. Like he has he has that prototypical tight end frame that you like. Uh, and then I didn't really see too many lapses in his game as a blocker. I saw obviously, of course, there, there's some times where you wish he he stuck on a guy a little bit better in the run game, but I didn't see any you know inhibitant to do so. Like I didn't see anything that inhibits him from being a good blocker. And then, like you said, as an athlete, that really stood out, and uh, you know, uh, along the red zone where you really want to see your tight ends thrive in the passing game, especially he did that. Like he, he, he was getting jump balls in the, in the red zone. And I, I really like Cameron Latu. too. Uh, I'm interested to see um, coming off last year where there was a lot of focus on that tight end room with all the noise around Jaleel Billingsley and the situation between him and the coaching staff, I'm really excited to see a quiet tight end seat, you know, like a quiet room where Cameron Latu doesn't really have too much pressure to to prove to be the guy. He's going to be the guy going into this year um, and bringing back Bryce Young with Bryce Young losing his two main receiving threats. I think Cameron Latu is is poised for a breakout year as far as uh, his production uh, on the off- offense side of the football. And like you said, Ryan, I think uh, I think you're talking top three, top four tight end. And I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I think an ex- I think an expanded role for him is is certainly likely. As you mentioned, you're mm-hmm. losing multiple running backs, you're losing multiple receivers. Jameer Gibbs is going to be you know a big added yep. juice to the offense. I wouldn't be surprised if this offense has more of a run first approach this upcoming season. Yeah. We know that Bill O'Brien loves running backs. We know that he loves this pro style scheme mm-hmm. and and using tight ends. I, I think Cam Latu is perfect for what they're looking for, and that physicality that you reference, Ryan, is exciting. He has to be, I think, one of the most exciting projection-based players outside of Eric Gilbert. Eric Gilbert is really, really exciting. But we don't even know how he's going to even fit or if he finishes the season, if he plays a full year. There are a lot of variables that we can't predict. But what we do know, Cam Latu is new to the position. He's a really, really good athlete. And he showed signs of only playing a limited amount of games at the position of looking really, really good. So that's why I'm super high on Cam Latu, and I think a lot of people should be. Him being the third tight end off the board, I am putting my stamp on that. I I would su- fully support that that being a possibility, or at least in the top five of the position group. Yeah, I think he is the big projection guy on, along with Eric Gilbert, right? Like Gilbert has special traits, but I mean, Eric Gilbert's one bad day away from being a defensive defensive tackle again, right? So you never know, <laughs> man. Offensive tackle. <laughs> Um, oh, he'd be a good offensive tackle. Go ahead. All right, let's let's talk about uh, guys that we're we're not super high on. So this category are players that the consensus really likes, but we're just not really there, and we don't understand it. And last cycle, people were high on Austin Stogner, and he has a pretty weak season. Maybe part of that was Spencer Rattler being taken out of the equation, and Caleb Williams wasn't on good terms with Austin Stogner. Maybe that's what it was. But he's now going to South Carolina. He's got another opportunity to prove himself. Him being back with his boy, Spencer Rattler, clearly influenced his decision to transfer to South Carolina. Does this mean he has a better year? I think outside of those variables, 
I wasn't really excited watching him. It's similar to the issues that we have with Charlie Kohler in last season, where a bit of a lumbering athlete, not really going to kill you with his athleticism, big, long kid. He's a really, really nice player in terms of making uh, catches and contested catches. That's the value. This is a red zone tight end, but you can't sell me on a guy who's not a good blocker, very, very underwhelming blocker at that as well. Uh, and all he's really going to provide is contested catches and a red zone threat. This is a, a second or a third tight end on a roster, and that's the most I'm really getting from Austin Stogner. I agree. I agree, which is why I put him first. Then Joe started crying that he wanted to okay, use Austin Stogner. You Stogner's. showed up late, and I was gonna. I was trying to formulate who else I could pick instead of picking all the guys that we already talked about this week, but I decided I wanted Stogner because I've watched more of him than the guy that you picked, and I wanted to talk about the guy that you picked, but go ahead. Yeah, whatever, man, whatever. Yeah, so here's the story, okay? I picked Austin Stogner, and Joe's like, eh, I want an Austin Stogner. Please shut give me up, Austin Stogner. And then, here's and the then story. I, Ryan showed up 15 so minutes then late. I, so then I picked Alex's guy, and then Alex is like, no, I want that guy, right? So then I had to pick my <laughs> third option on the list, which is still a good option, in my opinion, because I was very underwhelmed by him last year. It, it was Will Mallory for Miami. Sorry, Miami fans. I'm lower on some Miami guys this year. Sorry, man. I think Tyler Van Dyke was my – uh Lower on guy yeah. mm-hmm. quarterback game, yeah. right? Too two for four. You're gonna hate yeah. Zion Johnson too. Or no, wait, not Zion, Zion Johnson. Who's the Zion Nelson. Zion Nelson? Oh no, I, I actually like Zion Nelson, but oh. that's a different one. Um, so all right, man. I'm gonna put it like this. Brev, I blame Brevin Jordan for this one. Good friend of the Believe in NFL Draft Prospect podcast, Brevin Jordan. Okay, very, very, very good friend for a yeah. direct reason. Oh <laughs> uh, man, I, I like Brevin by the way, and I, I, Brevin actually had some decent production as a rookie, which I didn't mm-hmm. really see. Yeah. But yeah, I, I actually did like Brevin. Um, but Bre- when I interviewed Brevin coming into the 2020 cycle, was that 2020 now? 2021, 2020, 2021 cycle. Sorry, he told me that Will Mallory was going to be tight end one in the 2022 cycle. We're here now in the 2023 cycle, and I'm here to tell you, Brevin, not a great call on your part, my friend. Not a great call. Because then I looked up his, his thing, and, and I think Brevin actually mentioned this in, in the interview. In the state of Florida, which is a talent-rich state coming mm-hmm. out of high school, he was a state champion in the 110 high hurdles, which tells me there's a little flexibility there, and there's a little speed there, right? That tells me that. I don't see either one on film. I don't see maybe, either one, man. Maybe the competition he was going against was uh, a in little Florida? suspect. In Florida? Maybe they were all injured. Maybe he was going against the JV team. I don't know, man. All I know is I don't see a great athlete on film with Will Mallory. I see okay blocking chops at times. Like I think he has some decent flashes there. I think he's got a pretty big catch radius. His hands are fine. I just don't see a great athlete. I really don't. I don't see flexibility. Straight line, I'm just like, eh, he's fine. He's nothing special. I, I don't get that one. I don't get that one too much. Sorry, Hurricane fans. I have a lot of Hurricane fans that follow me, and I I, I love them dearly, but not a great call on your part, friends. Yeah, Mallory. A, oh, go ahead. Mallory go ahead, yeah, I was going to say Mallory someone. I, I didn't watch this cycle because I watched him last summer, as I, I think you mentioned, Ryan. And – I didn't feel the need to watch Will Mallory again. I kind of got what I needed last year. Like, I, I, it wasn't one of those situations. Sometimes you watch a player, say last summer, and you see the athlete. You just hadn't seen him put it all together. That's that's a player I'll watch again this summer. 
uh, just to see like if they made the technical growth that that would make them, you know, a higher coveted prospect. Will Mallory wasn't really that. It's just I didn't love his athleticism. I, like you said, Ryan, I didn't love too much about his game. And I didn't think there was like it was it was like a lack of nuance. It wasn't like he he just needed more reps to, you know, get more affiliated with position. Like Will Mallory just to me felt like an he is what he is kind of player. And I didn't see too much more potential to unlock there. So he wasn't prioritized for me to watch again this this <laughs> summer. Um, yeah, not he, he really is, unfortunately, despite some some hype from NFL great tight end Brevin Jordan. Uh, <laughs> he is just Relax. a guy. He's just a guy at the collegiate level. I don't think this is going to be a, if anything, this is a late day three kind of tight end. Yeah. I only watched half of a game on him and I was bored. That's yeah. <laughs> that's all. I was like, this is poor. I even, I even flipped on highlights of him and I'm like, these are the most boring tight end highlights I've ever seen. And I, I'm like, I can't get it. I almost put him down. I was like, I don't think it'd be fair to put it down. A guy I only watched half a game on, but I'm glad that Ryan brought him up because again, I was, I was very, very bored. Joe, are we, are we doing good on time? No, we're not doing good on time. Alex, can I just, who, can I just, can I, can I, oh, I'm sorry. Alex has one more guy. And then can, can I end the show with something before? Go for it. Yes. You know, you, we, we go good, Alex. Alex. I, I have plenty of time. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't want to talk about Alex's player. That's why You're, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. For good reason. Simply put the, we talked, it was either last week's show or the week before that we had, we talked about how certain teams and certain positions players just get boosted up the board. And this school, uh, Iowa, I'm just going to say, is one that produces a lot of tight ends. And I think Sam Laporta is someone that has been boosted up, you know, watch lists and, and you know, er, too early rankings simply because he's an Iowa tight end that's been a mainstay for a couple years. He's He's been in that offense since 2019, putting up decent production. Um, he has decent size to him. And because he goes to University of Iowa and and fits those monikers, he is going to be boosted up draft boards. And this is someone that's just not exciting. Talk about getting bored watching football. Uh, it's hard to do, but when you watch Iowa's offense and you're watching specifically Sam oh, Laporta, God. there's not a lot of fun to watch there. Hopefully so, uh, yeah, this I just wanted to say Sam Laporta because simply put, there are some schools and some positions at, at certain schools that are naturally going to get a boost and uh, in, in people prioritizing watching them and, and they're going to get boosted up draft boards and stuff like that. In this case, Iowa's tight end, just not that good. Noah Fant, yeah. TJ Hawkinson, you know, there, there are, there are, there are certain prospects that have come out of that system and been really, really good in the NFL. George Kittle, of course, Sam Laporte is not going to be one of them. He's so boring of a prospect that Ryan looks bored having to talk about him. So I haven't watched him. So well, Ryan, he, I'm curious your thoughts. He had he had a really nice year last year. 53 catches, 670 yards, three touchdowns. And he's coming from, like Alex said, a little bit of a pipeline in Iowa. He is, I think that I think he's this year's Jeremy Rucker. Like I think that he there's nothing exciting yeah. about him. I think he's solid. He's okay. And I think that the NFL is going to value him more than they probably should. Like, that's what I think Sam Laporta is. I don't think, I think in a similar vein, Joe, than what we were just talking about with like an Austin Stogner, I think Laporta is better than Stogner, but I also think Laporta is a second tight end at the next level. You disagree with that, Alex? I, you know, I, you know? I, I'm still, I'm still 
pro Stogner over Laporta. I Are think you? I think there's more I think there's more receiving upside there with Stogner as a blocker. You're not getting really much out of either of them. You might get a little yeah. bit more out of Laporta, but both of them are not anything to hold your hat on. But mm-hmm. I like Stogner's contested catchability over something like Laporta. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. I would just say, you know, Laporta for me and similar is going to be a, a good number two tight ends at the next level. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I feel like this kid's going to be drafted on day two because of some certain factors. And I just, I and do he'll not. he'll be Drew Tammy. Drew Tammy. Who? Who's Drew Tammy? Exactly. Jacob Tammy, you mean? Jacob, Jacob Tammy. Tammy. Shoot. And we're, we're <laughs> struggling like, to Drew remember. Well, name. exactly. I can't even remember I, his I name. thought of, you know, I thought of Alex a little bit with him. And I think this guy's a little better of a player than he's going to be. But like, I thought of Dennis Pitta. You remember Dennis Pitta? Yeah. He was like yeah. really solid. Nothing yeah. splashy. But Pitta but like, was supposed to be really good. And then he just kept getting hurt. Yeah, he was like solid though. I, I kind of feel that way about Laporte. I feel like he's just going to not be a flashy guy. He's going to get the job done, but I think his upside is probably a low end tight end one, but most likely a tight end two. Like, that's just what I see in next level. All right, Ryan, what's uh, what did you want to close this out with here? We didn't get a chance to talk about a couple tight ends that I like this week, man. So I just wanted to throw a couple Ooh. quick shout outs if I can. Okay. Is that all right? Yes, that's allowed. Zach Kuntz, tight end out of Old Dominion. Joe mm. was a former number one tight end recruit coming out at Penn State. Didn't uh, came in the same class as Pat Fryermuth. Had some injuries. Pat Fryermuth took the mantle as the number one tight end. Most people don't know though. Pat Fryermuth was the second ranked tight end in that class for Penn State. Just Penn State in general, yeah. right? <laughs> so Koontz has battled some injuries and hasn't had a ton of playing time. Transfers to Old Dominion. My guy had like 80-something catches last year, man. Wow. Like he was, or like 70-something. It was a crazy number last year, and he's massive. He's like 6'8", 260, right? And I think that he is a player that needs to be talked about because I think he has a decent amount of upside in this class. And he was a track guy, I think, in high school. So, like, this kid may literally at 6'8", 270, uh, 260, run like 4'6", 8", 4'7", flat. Wow. Like he might be that type of dude. So, yeah, I want to throw out Zach Koontz and the last guy. One of my favorite watches so far, and I wanted to include him. He just didn't fit any of the criteria that we had as far as the matchups or you know, lower or higher. Tucker Craft from South Dakota State is a okay, really good. good football player, man. We had an interview with him, 6'5", 255 pounds, physical, physical, physical dude. He's a poor man's Michael Mayer in this class. Not as good at Mayer in any of these attributes, but one of the better all-around tight ends in this class. Like straight line guy, physical Great catch radius, great hands. I like Tucker Craft a ton. I, I love Tucker Craft too. I think very, very balanced. Definitely not a first round pick right now, but I, I would argue he has all those traits, and there's a reason why he was getting offered that NIL money that he was being thrown at him to go to a Power Five school. Part of me wonders, does he have a higher draft projection at a bigger school? But he is good enough to be uh, the next Dallas Goddard to come out of this program. Heck, if he has a big year this year and he looks improved. I, I wouldn't put it past him being a day two pick. That dude is so freaking underrated. He is so, so good. Alex, yeah, can I you? can I mention one guy? Yeah, that you're allowed to have mention? one guy. Go for it. Sorry. Kind of like Marshawn Ford from Louisville. Marshawn Ford, Louisville. Short. He's going to be short. How short really, is he? It was hard to find him on the all 22 because uh, he doesn't really stand out versus the wide receivers as far as his size goes. But you might be looking at the best uh, route runner out of this tight end class. He's listed the at guy, six two, Joe. So he's yeah, six foot and a half. He's short. <laughs> he he's also be, not man. like obs- he's not huge either. But 
he's someone that moved around. You want to talk about a chess piece, moved around the formation for Louisville. He was asked to run a very diverse route tree for his position at the collegiate level. Had fun watching him. A lot more fun than Sam Laporta. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, that's going to have to wrap us up on at Joe DeLeon, at Ryan Roberts, at Gil- Alex Gilstrap, at NFL Pro, at Rise and Draft. Sorry. Go follow at Ryan Roberts, though, too. I don't know who the hell that is. Uh, at uh, NFL Prospects Pod, Hack City on YouTube, and subscribe. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.